Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur channel. Now, this is probably the hardest video I've ever done in a decade of creating content. And I stayed quiet for a very long time on the Black Lives Matter debate. Uh, and I'll let you know in the video why, but I didn't feel comfortable. I've had a, a, a very white privileged background. I struck the jackpot in terms of the demographic of probably having an easier ride growing up. So what do I know? But then a, a really good friend of mine who, and she says it's herself, by the way, she might as well be black. Um, she's grown up in a very black dominated background and she's been really, really heavily involved in the Black Lives Matter debate, trying to squash out racism and doing an amazing job. And she uh, interviews me in this video. She, really, it's a discussion between us both. But she felt that I should use my following for good. And even if there's areas I'm scared or I don't understand or I worry about um, saying something wrong, I should embrace it and go with it. And we should get the dialogue going. And actually, in this discussion interview with myself and Shah Wasmond, we open up some really good topics. I learned a lot. We involved our audience and they got engaged too, taught us a lot as well. And I think actually you'll find it pretty balanced. Maybe some things you won't agree with that Shah said, I think, but I just wanted to get this conversation moving to my audience, not to think I was jumping on the bandwagon. I waited and waited, um, but I actually think we can make a real difference together because we've got to squash this and we've got to correct the shit that's going on in the world. So I hope you enjoy this Black Lives Matter discussion and debate with myself and Shah Wasmond, MBE. So Rob, I am so pleased that you're here and you're doing this conversation with me this evening because I think it's a massively important conversation to have. I know that we've talked about it um, quite a lot. <laughs> this week. Um, I know that you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable um, and, and that's fine and you're going to be just fine. And I appreciate the fact that you drove two and a half hours from Peterborough to my house in Whitstable in order to uh, to do this, which, you know what, I knew that you would do that. And and that's what I want to share uh, for, for Rob's audience who don't know me. Now, my audience, um, my, most of my audience know my background. So for, for Rob's audience who don't know me, because I know we're streaming this into your group as well, I think this is really important because we're talking about how to start hard conversations, but we're specifically talking around Black Lives Matter um, and why Black Lives Matter as opposed to All Lives Matter. We're also talking about the fact that up until this evening, Rob hasn't really said that much about the subject. And I know that some of you have um, pulled him in, called him out, messaged him privately, and, and, and he's going to share those thoughts with you. And, and we're going to have a conversation that is a difficult conversation. And, and it's a really important one because for me, the point of this is to encourage people to have these difficult conversations. So, I want to caveat all of this with saying, quite obviously, I am not black. So that's not a joke. I'm not being sarcastic because I do think that if people don't know me, they could be tuning in to think, well, what, 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 what do you know about the topic and why do you have a right to be speaking up? So I'm going to tell you a couple of things. The first thing is that racism is a white person's problem and it will only be solved when white people have difficult conversations and then they transition from having difficult conversations to taking decisive positive action. So the truth is that black people do not need to be educated on racism 
or unconscious bias. But a lot of white people, and I've done a lot of work myself, and I'm not, I, I'm not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, do need to do this work. And if, it's, if anything is ever going to shift, the only way it's going to shift is by bringing the conversations into the homes of the people who haven't yet had the conversations and trying to help people see things from a different perspective and understand why this is such an important topic. Although some people might think, well, what has it got to do with business? What has it got to do with property? What has it got to do with podcasts? Well, we're going to get onto that. But the other thing is, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in California. My godparents are Jamaican. I grew up in an all-black, 500-strong Baptist congregation. I was the only white kid. uh, I went to Sunday school for years and throughout my my life, for those of you who've known me for a while, you'll know that I've been speaking on this topic for 20 years. I, I am not new to this conversation. I'm not an Instagram ally. I'm not standing up for social media applause. I think most of you who know me will know that I, I, I have been speaking up almost on a daily basis because this is important to me. My son is mixed race. Um, I have often throughout my 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 life found myself to be the only white person in an entirely black um, event, um, restaurant, dinner, social function, meeting, and not once have I ever felt less than, uncomfortable, or made to feel different, or nobody ever grabbed their bag when I walked towards them because I was a different skin color. Nobody crossed the road because I was a different skin color. Nobody gave me their bags to hang up or their coats to hang up in the cloakroom because I was a different skin color. And so this is very important and personal to me. And I do believe that I have a responsibility to, to pull people in who might not have the conversation. So um, I, I'm really pleased and proud of, of my friend Rob for joining this evening. So Rob, let, let's go straight in. I, I want you to share what I already know in terms of when you started seeing a lot of conversations coming up, and you saw a lot of people starting to share around Black Lives Matter. What were you thinking? And why didn't you say anything until now? Um, well, obviously, when the event happened that kicked this off, I thought it was disgraceful how any human being could lean on another human being for nine minutes was just beyond me. The reason I didn't make a comment on it was because people don't follow me for that. I've not ever made any kind of political or or stance at really outside of business, personal development and mindset. The odd bit in the media that I might really believe in. The next thing is, I can't speak for everyone, but if anyone who follows me, all of my content comes through me on things I've done and I've lived and I've been through and I've breathed and I've wrestled with. And I've struggled and I've sometimes solved and I've sometimes figured out all of it. People always say, hey, Rob, how can you come up with so much content? You don't seem to just seem to always be able to flow and, and do the content. It's because it's it's stuff I'm doing all the time. And I am not an expert on this subject at all. I've not done much research. Um, obviously, this has kickstarted me to educate myself a lot more, Shah, and I think that that's really important. Um, I haven't grown up with it. I've not really been around racism. I was saying to you earlier, I've always hung out with, at school, there were different groups of kids. And I always liked to hang around with um, whatever the the, the sort of so-called minority was, whether it was the the, the grungy rock kids or the the Chinese kids who are brilliant at maths or whatever. And I always felt gravitated towards 
I, I guess I felt like a bit of an outsider in some ways. I was the fattest kid in, in school or whatever. So, um, but I didn't comment on it because um, there's a lot of people, I think, using this hashtag and this event to do some engagement jacking, to do some clickbait, to leverage and grow their um, comments and engagement. And I don't mind doing that if I have knowledge, experience or, you know, or real passion in a subject. But I don't have much knowledge or experience at all in this. And I didn't want anyone to think that I'm using this as some kind of gimmick to get a load more, you know, comments or whatever. Um, I also wanted it to play out because, I, you know, obviously there's Black Lives Matter, there's All Lives Matter. And I wanted to watch and see what. I thought about it all. Of course, all lives matter, but that's not the point. If you're if your child dies, someone says, "Yeah, don't worry, because children die all the time." That's not going to make you feel any fucking better. So, you know, I see where this has all gone, and I get it. And clearly, a revolution needs to happen. I'm not one of these people that says, "Oh, well, you know what? Let's all like if there's going to be a revolution, let's do a peaceful one." It's a bit like me saying to you, "Sure, if you're really angry because someone's really angered, you don't don't be angry, angry." Just be angry inside, but smile. Now, if you're angry, you're going to be angry. Uh, and so I felt like whatever this revolution is, whatever these riots are, you know, that they need to happen. Um, but I'm not black. I've not experienced racism. I've only experienced a small amount of ostracism when I was young, not probably to the extent of most black people. I don't, therefore, feel credible enough to understand it. So... But then people are saying to me, oh, Rob, well, you know, you're a supposed influencer, whatever that means. And people were starting to call me out that I hadn't said anything. So I felt a bit like stuck. If I do say something, I'm not qualified. Any black person could look at me and go, what the fuck do you know? And now they would be perfectly right to say that. If someone goes out, out there trying to teach people to be a multimillionaire and then 100 grand's worth of debt, I think, what do you know? So I completely get that. And I don't want to be a fraud in any way. But then people were saying, oh, you know, they're expecting me to say stuff. Um, and, and, and so that's why I haven't spoken out. And I suppose you'll probably share why I am now, because you kind of bullied me into it. <laughs> I would like to say cajoled, not bullied. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is true. A lot of people have asked me, how, how, you know, how did I make this happen? Well, first of all, I think it's really important that Rob and I are real, genuine friends. And so because... I know Rob as a human being. I knew that him not speaking out was not a reflection of, of who he is or what he stands for. And I could tell he had a real unease about him, about what to say. So, you know, 42 WhatsApp messages later and a two and a half hour trip down to Whitstable. And we're here. And this is what I think is really important is, you see, I've been very vocal. And I've also been, I think, for some people, what some white people may be too vocal. And I haven't stopped talking about it. A lot of people have said to me, well, what's this got to do with business? And I said, right now, I'm actually really not interested. I said to Rob, I don't think I've worked on my own business for the last, you know, three, maybe four weeks properly. And I'm okay with that because here's the thing for me, financial empowerment is activism. So because I'm financially empowered, I get to say right now, this is more important to me. And if people in my world can't understand that, then they're probably in the wrong world. So because I had the time to be able to, to, to talk up and, and speak about this, I, I've seen so many different sides of this conversation. And I have been very forthright in saying that I truly believe that silence is being complicit. And here's why I believe that. Because 
it's as if you're turning a blind eye, which is what unconscious bias is so much about. It's about, well, it doesn't affect me and I'm not the expert and I don't know what to say and I'm a businesswoman and, 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 and we keep, so we, we try to, to justify why we're not saying anything, right? And then there's the, 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 the people that I know feel uncomfortable, very much like you did, don't know what to say. But the reason you're silent isn't because you're trying to be complicit. It's because you're almost scared of what to say. And Nick James said this earlier on in the week and, and, and a couple of other people. And so I would just really encourage everybody. And then this is why it was so important for me to get you on, because it's my audience and it's your audience. I do believe that with platforms and power comes responsibility. And our responsibility is, is, I mean, this is different. This isn't politics. So if it was politics, our responsibility is not necessarily to persuade people to vote the way we vote, but I think our responsibility is to persuade people to vote. And that's how I try to differentiate. Now, this is very different. I'm going to use all my power and my responsibility to really try to make people understand why all lives matter is actually not okay because the best analogy I've seen is if, if my house is burning down, we're going to focus on my house, right? It's not, we're not going to send the fire engine to Rob's house because his house isn't burning down. Of course, all houses matter. But right now, my house is on fire. And so saying black lives matter does not mean that all lives don't matter. It doesn't mean that black lives matter more than other lives. It means that black lives matter too. And until black lives matter, all lives matter is actually just redundant a moot point and not true. And, 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 and this is something I feel very strongly about. And it was to, to I want to say to people who don't know what to say, here's a really good place to start. You don't have to post it publicly, but I would, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to post saying, I've just listened to Rob or I've just listened to this. And I've got to be honest, I, I've been on the fence. I didn't know what to say. And I can see that, you know, it could be interpreted that me being silent is me being complicit, but I'm not complicit. I'm scared. I'm scared of saying the wrong thing. I'm scared that I don't understand enough. I know that some people feel scared to ask because, you know, that, that should it be a black person's job to educate white people? There's two different schools of thought about this. The first school of thought is, well, no, actually, no. And that's my school of thought. But the second school of thought may be a little bit more forgiving. If somebody's willing to learn, then, then we need to help you know, educate. So just say, I don't know what to say. That's a really good place to start is just to say, I know how important this is. I know how this, this fact is deep down into the very tapestry of humanity. And if you listen to Piers Linney, you know, another really good friend of mine, he was a dragon on Dragon's Den. And he went to receive a business award and two separate people assumed that he was a cloakman. Now, that kind of unconscious bias is something that we all need to learn and, and, and accept, and we don't need to be defensive about it. Um, I'm white. I'm really happy in my own skin. I'm never going to apologize for being white because this is who I am. And, and no one should ever feel the need to apologize for who they are. Rob, you shouldn't need to feel the, the, the need to apologize. It, it's about trying to have a greater understanding of people. And this is why it's so important to encourage hard conversations. Yeah, sure. Um, someone's just said here, it's actually Sam, who I think we both work with, Sam Adams. And she said, 
someone said to me today, I'm scared I'll say the wrong thing. So I, as you know, I was quite worried about doing this. And I, and I turned you down a lot of times. And my, I'm my, very my, persistent. You are very persistent. You were going to be coming to Peterborough, so I knew I had no choice. But, you know, like for me, silence wasn't complicit. I, I get why people would say that. They're starting a revolution there. They, they want to, to make change. But not everyone who's silent is complicit. I, I truly believe that. Um, and I, I think it's okay to say it, but it's not true. I wasn't complicit because I was silent. Um, I didn't feel credible and I'm not living it and breathing it. And I don't cover any content that I don't feel credible and I'm not living and breathing, let alone a very emotive one. So that was my main reason for not speaking up. And I'm more comfortable doing it because, like, if I was going to have a conversation, I'd want to have a conversation with someone who's got more experience in this than me. And here's an interesting comment from Nikki. I want to refer back to this. I'll weave these two in. She said, I really liked Rob Moore until he decided to give Katie Hopkins a platform for clicks and giggles. Well, I believe there was a lot more to that interview than clicks and giggles. Um, but a few people did say, well, Rob, you, you, know, you um, gave a platform to David Icke or Katie Hopkins or someone that maybe they don't agree with. Now, I always tried to have a different angle. I talked about entrepreneurship and areas where I felt I was credible. But I, I wanted, I guess, to prove to people who may say that, well, actually, you know what? I'll embrace this, even though I feel quite vulnerable. Um, some people who have got no, no brand, nothing on social media, they can go and attack people and criticize people and do whatever, and they've got nothing to lose. I've got a whole business and a reputation of brand to lose if I say something wrong. So, you know, you, you would be stupid to just go and blurt a load of stuff without thinking about it. Um, so the reason I decided in the end to do this with you is because of, like you said, your upbringing, pretty much being the only white person in a, a whole black community, which I think is a fresh approach. Um, I, I didn't want to look like I was just doing some kind of token interview. And because I know you've been going on and on and on about this in a good way, Sha. I know you've pretty much put your business on hold to do this, which says a lot. And I know you're really passionate about it. Um, but I do want to honor this thing that Sam has said. Am I scared of saying something wrong? A bit, yeah. Um, because I don't want to be taken out of context. Um, I'm not that experienced in it. I'm still trying to navigate my way through it. I fundamentally think racism is wrong. I'm fundamentally, in fact, I did this test you told me, and apparently, I am, what did it say I was? This Harvard test you've been, it, it, it says that I am, I have slight automatic preference for black people over white people. Uh, I don't really know what this Harvard test means, um, but you've got unconscious me. Unconscious Harvard bias, yeah. Right, unconscious Harvard. So I clearly have a, um, an unconscious Harvard bias towards uh, black people. Um, but people, like you were talking to me when we went to get fish and chips, which was lovely, by the way. Um, and we walked down the beach and got fish and chips. And you said there's a, some people you know who've just said words like cheeky monkey or, you know, they've said the wrong phrase for black people. And then other people have absolutely lambasted them and gone to town on them and chewed and, and, and rinsed and gone to town. And I, I don't know. I don't really necessarily think that that's how we should be having this conversation. I don't think we should be like lambasting into people because of a word. I think. If we all want to have conversations about this, which is what I'm embracing, even though it's out of my comfort zone, 
surely we've got to feel safe enough not to be worried that every word we say will be completely scrutinized because when we're learning, we're learning and we might make some mistakes. Um, and if you haven't grown up in, in you know, in, in a black community, you haven't grown up around a lot of black people, you might not know the difference between a word and its meaning. And I don't think people should feel scared or that they're going to get a massive lambasting for that. I think anyone who's going to enter the conversation should be hopefully supported in entering that conversation. And I think education goes both ways. I agree with you that it's not up to black people to educate us white people. You're right. But if we need educating and you know stuff that we don't, then help and, us. And you're asking for it. I, I, I know like so many people who have come forward to help in those conversations. Now, I, I want to address a couple of things that I've seen. So, so, so Jacqueline, I, I've, I've addressed your comment um, in text, but I really want to address it again. So I want to be really clear. I have never, ever been made to feel like I should apologize for being white by anyone, black, white, pink, blue, or anything else for that matter. So I want to be really clear. That's not my point. But I know that in some of my conversations with other white people, them feeling, and this is part of white fragility and defensiveness, that, that carrying guilt, guilt doesn't help anyone, right? And that is, that's what I'm trying to get across, Jacqueline, that we should all be happy with who we are, because this is, we can only be who we are, right? And so shift that guilt, get rid of it, park it to the side and move forward. That was really my point, Jacqueline. So I hope, I, and, I, and I'm, I love on your love too. So thank you, Jacqueline, much appreciated. Rene, here's, here, I want to address Rene's point. I think I'm, let me just see if I can pull it up. Okay. I think I'm sitting on the fence with this. It would be better for an influencer to feel comfortable about saying something rather than just saying it because people think he or he should say something. So, sure. Could I, I answer this one first? Would you yeah, mind? Because no. um, this was clearly directed to me. I, I'm going to challenge that. I read that and I listened to that and I hear that. But I don't grow if I just comment on what I'm comfortable and commenting and just go, you know, I could rest on, you know, setting your business, starting your business, scaling your business, being an entrepreneur, et cetera. But I don't grow. And I've interviewed some controversial people and I've entered some, some difficult conversations. And I'm embracing this. Shy, you having persisted a lot of times because um, it, it, how, how, how am I going to grow unless I challenge myself? And I was, I was a bit nervous about this for, for most of the day. So I think I've done the right thing in that I've challenged myself to grow. And if we don't all challenge ourselves to grow, then we all stay where we are. I, I also get the point that, well, unless I'm really passionate about it, unless I'm really experienced in it, maybe I shouldn't say anything. And that's why I didn't for a long time. And then I got criticized for that too. So it is a, a difficult situation. I, ultimately, I'm doing this to, to educate myself, to embrace starting and having the conversation, to, to say why I didn't and why I am now, because I was asked so many times to hopefully encourage my audience to do the same, to do some good with my audience. I, I've raised hundreds of thousands of pounds through my communities. We've done many good things and gone, gone into good causes together. And I guess this is another opportunity for me to not just do business and entrepreneurship, but to open our minds to something that helps the world that maybe is even more important than business and money. And, and I'm just going there, and I don't like using these cliche words, but I'm going to say them, relatively naive, relatively vulnerable, in your capable hands, hoping that you hold me like a dove. Not, not too tight, but not too loose. Don't let me go, but don't squeeze me. Just like Emma said. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And I think this is the point, Emma. And so just to respond to Rene before, before I go back to Emma, 
Renna, I think if somebody is just doing this for social media applause or because they think they need to tick a box or because they feel pressurized to do it, that's that's one thing. And I know and that's that why I didn't do it. That's why I it didn't step in because I didn't want to do that and I didn't want people to think I was doing that. Yeah. And I know Rob's joking that I've made him do this, but actually it wasn't me. You couldn't make Rob do anything if you know Rob, right? But what I could do was gently, gently pull him in, right? Gently, gently pull him in, cajole him into doing it. And for the very reasons that he said, because for me, this is bigger than having a conversation with Rob, right? This is this is about Rob's audience and my audience and the people in our audiences who maybe would turn a blind eye to these conversations normally. Actually listening because somebody is saying something that they didn't think they'd be saying well and if that starts one conversation that then starts another conversation that then elicits change in the future then you see I don't believe it's damned if you do and damned if you don't I I, I just don't believe that I think that on the whole when people are putting posts out they say look I don't know what to say I might make a mistake I might say the wrong thing I'm scared about doing this, but I know that I need to make a stop because what is the alternative? The alternative is the status quo stays exactly the same and we make, make no, no progress. We make absolutely no progress. Um, so as Emma says, challenge to grow is so key. Hearing and responding to each other in a safe space is really important. Um, the vulnerable... I just want to say this as well. The, this is a vulnerable conversation for all involved. Displaying pain or discomfort is really difficult for us all. It's, it's really hard. Like this isn't an easy conversation to be had and it's not supposed to be an easy conversation to be had when when I know for a fact that, you know, my partner who, who Rob spent the afternoon with is like a big, soft, gentle giant. He walks down the road without me and women will grab their purses tighter because he's a tall black guy. I walk down the street and nobody bats an eyelid, right? These are things that, that, that I see and I've seen my whole entire, and I, you know, I don't have all the answers. I actually started, I want to go to, to the point here about that it's discomfort for all of us. So I did a Facebook Live with Nick James, which some of you may have, may have seen, and I started it by saying, Guys, I might upset some people. Um, I might upset some 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 white people, and I'm okay with that. If you think I should stop talking about it, like that's your prerogative. And I may upset some black people by saying something out of tune or the wrong thing. But I'm good with that too because here's what I'm going to do: if anyone ever thinks that I could have done better, just reach out to me and say, "Sure, you know what? How about this? What about this? Think about this because this is too important to me." to sit back down. And that's my whole thing. I'm not going to sit back down. And, and I'm going to carry on standing up and supporting the things that I'm passionate about. And this is one of the things that I'm passionate about. And Rob doesn't need to be as passionate about it as I am to be open and prepared to have vulnerable conversations that lead to growth and learning. Shara, I would say I am passionate about this, as I am passionate about all things that progress humanity. Um, and make us, I mean, I'm a big, growth and progress is my highest value. And let's be honest, racism is, it should be, you know, in museums, 500 years. It, it, it's just so outdated now. It should be gone. It should be gone. And, and I am passionate about that. I'm just not as experienced as you. 
and I'm not yet as educated as many people who've got, uh, you know, a more experienced voice. So um, I think what this has really done for me, because I have watched and waited, people think I just blur and I ran. But actually, I do consider a lot of the things that I say. And sometimes it looks like I'm quick onto something, but I've considered it for quite a while. And I'm happy that I spoke out about this a lot later than some others. So it could be proven that it wasn't any kind of gimmick or newsjack or whatever. But this has really given me the desire to educate myself far more deeply in, you know, in the history and, you know, what's wrong in the world, etc. Um, I tend to take a very non-political stance. I tend to focus on business and entrepreneurship and, you know, what my followers and fans and clients come to me for. Um, but actually, this has inspired me to, um, to learn more about it, to understand other people's point of views who haven't, you know, there's one thing I can't deny. I've had a very good upbringing. You know, I've got my own baggage just like we all have, but I haven't ever had racism. Um, and so I don't know what that feels like. And that, you know. And that I mean, might- I'm just looking at Jacqueline's comment that she lived in Germany for three and a half years. And if she would go out at night and she saw groups of white German men, she would cross the road because that intimidated her and was concerned they would say or do something. Jacqueline, I have to say, as a white woman, that being in Germany, and and there is my unconscious bias. So unconscious bias can play out in so many ways. If I was in Germany and I was in that situation, I would cross the road because my unconscious bias would kick in and go back to things, you know, like 60 years ago and would be playing in the back of my mind. So we have to be so, you know, our, our... our, our minds are a crazy place that we really need to to take more control of. Um, so, Jacqueline, I, I can completely understand that. Um, absolutely. Um, I think, Char, just, just jumping in as well, because just finishing my point about education. I, I mean, you know, I've been teaching entrepreneurs for years. And fundamentally, um, however you are raised, you can still be a successful entrepreneur. You just need to get educated. It's about what you know and you can um, right the wrongs of a difficult upbringing, a poverty upbringing, or a, a scarce mindset upbringing, uh, you know, or a, a dysfunctional family upbringing, or whatever you want to say. Um, and so it, I, I think education is what's required here. Um, so can I start with that? And, and, and yeah. um, guys, this is why I'd really love you to comment in, in the comments. Um, so I can see we've got loads of people on because I've got them on different I think it's things. Your comments, but not mine. So I think your followers are commenting, but not. Uh, I didn't check my page. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll check Rob's ones afterwards. And also on on Streamyard, I can only see the comments from my page, not from my groups for some reason. So yeah, we're only I'll go and um, write some comments afterwards. Yeah. So, so for me again, I want to get back to what? Why are two white people having this conversation? Because this needs to be a white conversation, because racism will not stop until white people stop. It Actually, it won't stop until white people start to really do something. And I wanted to bring our voices together so that our voices can be amplified into our audiences. And I knew how important this was to call on Rob to say, you know what, I feel uncomfortable. I don't have all the answers. I'm not sure I'm qualified. But this, I know Rob. Like, I know him. I know his heart. I know what 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 his values are. So I, I had zero doubt that his silence was being complicit. So I knew that my role was really to try my best to, to reach 
to into him and say, look, if we can just get a handful of your audience starting to have conversations that they wouldn't have done otherwise, that's a start. It's not a it's not a, a, a finish point. It's it's a start point. So I want to do talk about some practical things that people can do when they're starting to move from talking about this to actually doing something about it. And I want to talk about some really super simple practical things. I've, I've talked about them before, so if you heard them before, I apologize. But sometimes, you know, um, repetition is a really good thing. Ask yourself, does your world and does your work reflect society? Or when I go to your website or when I go to your events or when I look at your brochures or when I sit in your audience, is it primarily white? Because if your brochures and your website don't show someone who looks like me as a black person or as a woman, because this is also a gender thing sometimes as well, if I don't see someone who looks like me, I, I feel like it's not for me. So we all have to take some responsibility to do an audit on ourselves. Are we making our work accessible to everybody? And it's not enough to say, of course, anyone can come and join. But does it look like anyone can come and join? Does it look like what you do is for everyone? Or does it look like what you do is for a particular type of person? And that's something, it's a shift that is so simple for so many of us to do in such a short period of time. You know, Hannah Hollis is, is up from Peterborough, your way. Um, it, it's the same thing, like if you're in the world of makeup like Hannah is, have you got models of all different nationalities and skin color that truly represent your audience or even your potential audience? Because actually, you might be missing out on a whole entire client base because all of your marketing represents one particular demographic. Okay. Um, can I address a couple of things in the comments? I think, you know, clearly... Yeah, clearly Katie Hopkins bothers people. Yeah. Um, well, I've interviewed over 100 people. So um, I've given lots of people a platform of, of which she is one. Um, what I don't understand is I'm speaking out now. So what? why are people questioning about speaking out? Well, I'm speaking out now. Surely the timing of when I do it is my prerogative. And as I've explained, I think it's important. it was important for me to not jump in and say something I didn't have any, any knowledge about whatsoever. And to be honest, Char, you, you know, I'm more comfortable doing this with you than doing this on my own because you're more experienced than me. And like I said, I'm embracing it to learn, to grow, to get the conversations coming through my community. What's also interesting is if, you know, because clearly there's a couple of people here who were, were good fans of mine and then it upset that upset them that I'm into, I interviewed Katie Hopkins, which, you know, they didn't really care to ask me to understand what my motives were. There was a lot of things beneath it, but would they not now be pleased that I'm doing this, which is what they would want me to do? Um, so, yeah. Um, and I want to just just while you're reading, this, I want to touch on on um, you know, it's not a conversation Robert and I've had today, but but and, and I know that you know a few a few white people feel uncomfortable about this next part of the conversation, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um, whilst I'm just answering a message about does my nan need milk sorry my nan literally trumps everything um <laughs> well, you do that and i'll, I'll, no, no, I'll, no, no, I'll well done. so i just want to talk about white fragility and and what it means to me and other people have different interpretations of it, it it's a, a, a defense mechanism that 
I think a lot of us kicking with, and I have been guilty of it, maybe to a greater or lesser degree than others, but I think we're all guilty of all kinds of things. And that's part of being human as part of learning and part of growing. So if anybody has, um, you know, if, if anybody takes a shot at me over this conversation, I'm just going to take it on the chin and get back up and go again. And, and, and I feel like what, what I don't want to happen is that we shut people's conversations down. Because what I know for sure is that if we shut people's conversations down, nothing will change. Nothing will change. And, you know, um, Grace reached out to me privately, Grace Nelson, because I know she's been to some of your stuff, Rob. And she said she was upset because she hadn't heard anything from you. But she did hear lots of, like, you know, promotional marketing messages. You know, you've got a business to run. And that's standard practice in a business to be emailing that. So, Grace, I hope what you can see now is, and I, and I couldn't have told you this privately, Grace, but Rob and I were having these conversations you know, on a regular basis. And I don't believe that bludgeoning somebody over the head is going to get a lasting result. For change to really occur, what we need to do is is want people to do the change because otherwise if somebody just makes a change out of guilt or shame or, or ticking a box, then actually the only thing that will happen is it will be really, really short-lived. Does, does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. I respect your right to do it when the time is right for you. And I think it's most important that you are guided by what is right, not what others think. You just need to manage expectations. Hey, a bit like you, Shah, I, I figured when I did this or when I agreed to do this with you, which was yesterday, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm doing it. No, I'm not. Um, I thought, well, look, I know I won't be able to please everyone. I know some people will have some skepticisms. I know they'll have some questions and concerns. And I also am OK with that. I know 100% I sit here um, with volition that I've not done it as a gimmick. I've not jumped onto any bandwagons. I've not pretended to know what I've, what I don't. And I feel good about that. I suppose I feel like, well, what do I bring? What value do I bring? Well, the value I bring is you sharing this to my audience. And maybe the value I bring is showing that I've considered it. I've thought about it. I mean, people don't get it, but I listen to my audience a lot. Uh, and, you know, we're reading these comments now. You and I aren't just talking with the script. We're reading all these comments. And I listen to my audience. So people were WhatsApping me going, Rob, why aren't you saying anything about it? And I listened to them. And then I got asked on a, on a live and I did about a 10-minute discussion around it. And then I actually did post that on LinkedIn. So actually people say, oh, Rob didn't come out and talk about it. But I did. They just didn't see it. And you should be careful not to judge until you've seen or, you, you, you know, you've <laughs> So for me, if I start making some assumptions, well, I don't know everything. So I actually had made a comment about it um, and it was pretty holistic looking at it from all sides, which um, th that's not the purpose of this conversation. Um, and a few people said, well, you know what, Rob, that wasn't that strong. You know, you've got a strong voice that wasn't that strong. Um, so, yeah, I feel fine about how we've come about it. I, I feel like it's the, it's been the right way for me to do it. I haven't gone, jumped on the frenzy. and. I'm not telling you what I know. I don't know a lot. I'm just telling you that I want to learn more about it. And actually reading a lot of these comments is great. It's very educational for me. Um, I'm open-minded to try and use my, my influence and my following for something more meaningful. I will never apologize for carrying on business when there's stuff going on in the world, um, uh, you know, unless that's illegal um, because – you know, I have thousands of clients who've invested money in courses of ours that we need to deliver and fulfill. I have 95 staff that want to get paid. I have thousands, you know, of suppliers and contractors that rely on me. I have. Um, I don't think there's anything 
850 tenants. So I just, okay, I, that's, important to, that's important to say that whatever's going on in the world, yeah, you know, in the lockdown. I, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that what happens is when there's a disconnect, right? When there's a disconnect where, when people don't know someone and there's a disconnect with them feeling really passionate. And I mean, you've got it. This is 400 years in the making, right? Yeah. This isn't too much. It's about time. So it's right? about time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is 400 years in the making. And so all of the microaggressions, which is what I think is what a lot of white people don't understand. This isn't, yes, it's about George Floyd, but in, in so many ways, it's not about George Floyd. It's not just about him. It's the microaggression. It's the little, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. It's the small things that black men and women have to experience and put up with on a daily basis that you and I will never have to put up with. So Yinka mm. and I, this is an example that I gave the other day. Yinka and I, we could go for, for a job interview. This is a fact, right? Sunday Times did a ton of research into this. Yinka and I could go for a job interview. Um, and uh, Yinka could ha have, uh, you, you know, a higher qualification than me, and she could have more experience. I will be twice as likely to get the job because I am white. Yinka, because her name it's very clear that she's not English, already puts her at disadvantage to even being called for an interview, which is disgraceful, which is why there is now a call for CVs to not have names on them. So the fact that, that Yinka could be more qualified than me, she could be a bigger team player, she could have more experience, more expertise, and I'm going to get the job. And it's those it's those microaggressions that people have to put up with every single day. That it's, it, 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 there comes a point where you can't hold it in any longer. So when they, well, you know, when they get to a point when they can't hold it in any longer and you're at a point where you, you don't know what to say, there's going to, I think, as, I, sorry, let me just pull this up. What's going to happen is this. Where is Aaron's? This is what's going to happen. There's discussion, but there's discord because you're at different points, right? One's not knowing what to say, one's at breaking point. And so when you're at different points, you're going to have discord. But actually, like Aaron says, discussion and discord do not have to live together. It's not possible to have reconciliation without empathy. Momentous change requires difficult conversations. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, so many people I know that I've worked with. So I'm, I'm going to share something that maybe I was a bit naive or ignorant about. I, I work with, so I work with Aaron. I know, I've known Aaron, Aaron for years. Lovely guy. Always got on really well with him. Never thought anything of anything in, the, in terms of race. I never thought anything of anything. Sam, who's just met, met, messaged you, you know, Sam will tell you, I think she's amazing. Um, we've got a really good relationship. And, you know, to hear Aaron, Sam, and all the people that I just see as normal, cool, interesting people, clients, don't look at them see how much hardship and racism and dis disadvantage they've had that does um that does piss me off and i, I would never want to be that person and so to hear that is good for me um because it educates me on what i don't know because i just don't assume that about people if i get on with them because i'm not being that to them like sam has said here for example the amount of times i've turned up to things where someone didn't know me and i can see the look of disappointment that i'm black but i don't even look at Sam's black I just Sam Sam um so yeah so that upsets me that a lot of people that I know and I work with and are good clients and become friends have to go through that shit and so if I could do anything to help you know I, I don't know what I can do I'm trying I'm just trying to open it up I guess to my 
Um, but this very conversation is educating people. So truly, it is a white privilege to say I don't see colour because a black person can't ever say they don't see colour because white privilege means that when we walk out down the street, you know, somebody says well, somebody said to me the other day, you know, Shah, given everything you've been through in your life, how can you possibly be privileged? And my friend posted um, a, an Instagram quote that I really should put up here. I, I, I might have 99 problems, but my skin color ain't one of them, right? It's like going off the Jay-Z track. I've got 99 problems, but my skin color ain't one of them. So if I'd gone through everything that I'd gone through and I was black, my life would have been 10 times as hard. So my privilege, I'm not saying I'm privileged. I've had a really tough time. However, I also know that despite any of that, I am still privileged because I still have twice as much of an opportunity to get the job than Yinka does. Because when I walk into, here's the thing, I've gone shopping in Selfridges with some of my, my closest friends have been my friends for 20 years. One of them is, is a director at the BBC. Another one of them is the founder of the MOBO Awards, the Music of Black Origin Awards. Now we've been friends for 20 odd years. And we'll go in, you can see the security guards immediately clock the black women and pay no attention to me. That is death by a thousand cuts. And if people don't, oh, sorry, was it Biggie? Thanks, I thought it was Jay. Thanks, Jacqueline, correcting my music history. Um, and, and it's that kind of thing. Now, I've witnessed this with my, my, my closest friends. And that's what white privilege is. White privilege is being able to go into a, a, a shop and not have anybody follow you. It's what we take for granted. We take for granted. Rob, you take for granted that you can walk down Whitsport High Street with me and no one is going to grab their purse a little bit tighter because you're walking down the street. I take it for granted that I can walk into Selfridges and no security guard is going to be following me around. That's white privilege. So a, a black person can't say I don't see colour because they're defined by their colour every single day by society. Oh, look, you two, Jacqueline and Grace, are having an argument about who, who the lyrics were. Okay, yeah, so what, uh, what, trying to educate me here then. So um, I'm fully, I am fully aware of my privilege. The generation I was born in, the age, the fact that I'm white and I'm male, I'm fully aware of that. I am actually a pretty grateful person. Um, and so I am grateful for a lot of things in my life. And so you... Me hearing you say this makes me realise to a certain degree how cocooned or, you know, privileged or whatever I am. I obviously can't help my upbringing. I can only open my mind and educate myself. So how does someone like me who has, like you said, I'm not privileged. I've had my own hardship and shit, but it's nothing like this. How, how do we understand a world that we've had a privilege to not be in? I think a lot of what TJ says, so it's a conversation that truly needs to be had. Not knowing what to say is also representative of a lack of diverse culture or work environment. Now, depending on where you're based, right, it's very easy to have a diverse culture in London. Um, it's not so easy, for example, if you live in an area that, you know, has far less of a black population. So maybe it's calling on people like TJ to have conversations with. It's actually reaching out to people and 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 having those conversations. Um, I, I think that's a really important part of it because if you can't experience it and are fortunate enough not to experience it yourself, 
and you don't have people in your immediate circles, it's really hard to truly comprehend it. So that's when I feel like real maturity and, and real inner growth comes from really stepping into the uncomfortable zone to say, okay, you know, Aaron, TJ, talk to me. Like, I, I got to be honest, I was blind to this. Like, things are starting to click into my head that I couldn't really have comprehended an hour ago. Of course, I, I, don't, I don't walk down Whitsport High Street and think anyone's going to catch my bag. Like, TJ, are you serious? Like, TJ was on the live with, with Nick. He, the amount of times he's been arrested, never charged because he hadn't ever done anything wrong. Like, you know, Drew. Drew is, like, five times as likely as you are to be pulled over by the police. Like, it's just these microaggressions, these daily, daily, daily things. And I think there's a really good point that's just come up. It's moving from being not racist to being proactively anti-racist. And, and I know that feels like a nuance, but, but one is almost like passive. It's saying, oh, but I'm not racist. I've got a black friend. I'm not racist. Being anti-racist is saying I feel really, un and this is the start of an anti-racism journey for you because, like, I just want to, hold on. I saw a comment here I wanted to share with you because I think it's really important for you to hear this. Rob, thanks for staying in this. This is a super tough conversation to stay in. I've seen so many people step out of this conversation as soon as white privilege comes up. The work to becoming anti-racist is by staying in the difficult conversations. Like, that's the start. It's by reaching out to, to Aaron and, and Sam and TJ. Um, yeah, sure. While you're reading, I think the thing that made me, I wouldn't say comfortable with doing this, but more comfortable was when you said it's a conversation. So when we say it's a conversation, there's not this major expectation on me to be something I'm not or to try and understand something yet. I can't because I've not experienced it. But if we're saying, look, converse with us, as in all of us, my whole following and your following, get it out to more people, get the conversation out to more people. I'm really, really um, fascinated reading these comments, by the way. I've definitely learned a lot. Um, Aaron said one thing. Um, and he said, be curious, just be a bit more curious. Um, Grace has said, what am I going to do moving forward? Well, I already said I'm going to educate myself much more um, on this subject and try to be more proactive and educated and much more curious because I believe a curious mind helps you find answers. And I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, and, and like Aaron's also said there, um, you know, it is nuanced, it's technical, it's complicated, it's deep, it's hundreds of years old. It's not, you know, like sound bites, etc. So um, I, I'm enjoying listening more than I'm talking. Usually on my lives, I talk all the time and I'm enjoying listening more than I'm talking and reading all the comments and even the ones that challenge me and, and question, that's all so fine um, because then it gets me to challenge myself to check that, you know, I'm doing this with the right intention, which I believe the intention is there, but I've got a lot to learn. I, you know, I'm, I'm relatively ignorant of what a lot of people have gone through. Um, and I mean, I already feel quite more connected to people who are in my community, you know, like Yinka and, and Aaron and TJ and people like that, that I've known for years. Um, and hopefully that's a good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just want to share, you know, I, I've known Louise for a long time um, and, and just share a perspective from, from the other side. So, again, one of the things I feel I have, even though this is two white people having a conversation, what I feel my duty is as well is, is 
to use my platform to raise the voices of black people, to make sure that it's not just my voice being heard, but throughout this whole conversation, we're making sure that all of your voices, because you know, not everybody's on here live with us, but your voices are being heard. Like everybody on here, I want your voice. This isn't my conversation. This isn't Rob's conversation. This is our conversation. And we all need to be having this together. So Louise, trying to explain to you that when somebody says I don't see color, can feel like I'm choosing to ignore this part of you because it makes me more comfortable. It sounds like I don't see you. And it feels like a casual dismissal. Now, I'm sure an hour ago, you would never have thought that. You would never have thought, well, when I say I don't see color, I just mean I'm not racist. I don't judge people by the color of their skin. But to someone else, that can come across the way that Louis, and again, that might not be the way that it comes across to everybody. But when you now, you know that saying, I love the saying that, that when you know more, you can do more. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, hopefully as well, me expressing um, how I see it, it, it there's, a, there's a, a cyclical nature of the education in there as well. Because like you said, um, it shouldn't be black people educating white people, but we need to be we need to be pointed out things that we don't yet know. And whilst there's clear racism, of course, and we need to get rid of that, there's just some in some areas like maybe with me, there's just ignorance or a lack of education in this area. So educate me and me putting myself on this platform, very vulnerable in front of all my followers, make, you know, taking a risk to what I've built, which I'm perfectly prepared to do, is, is me being open to being educated. So Ray's just said, um, and I presume he's, he's in your audience as well, because from what he said, great stuff for opening up and having this conversation, Rob. Yep, you may make mistakes and say wrong things, but a start is a start. It's all educational for both black and white. Great stuff, guys. And um, I'll take a couple. If anybody's got any questions, let's see. If anybody's got any questions, I'll take like two questions, and then I want to wrap this up. So Ola says it's uncomfortable and we need to get comfortable to get uncomfortable. There's no other way to get past using the words that might be used or to have those feelings that me that we might want to escape. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely that, Ola. Like we, we have to, you know, we have to get actually we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We have to be prepared to be uncomfortable. We have to be prepared for people to call us out and say, hold on a second. I want to hold you to a higher standard than maybe the one you're holding yourself for right now because I know if I do, it's going to impact so many more people. Um, there's always space for empathy, reflection, calm, consideration, conversation, forgiveness, mercy, and justice. Be bold. Well, I think that is definitely something we can call you, Rob. And and I also, because this is really important to see different sides of it. So I want to, and, and where all the, somebody else said this, sorry, there's been so many comments the nuances in this conversation. So um, Emma said that when she hears somebody say, I don't see colour, she doesn't see it the same way as Louise. And everybody's entitled to their own version of it, right? So Emma says, that isn't how I see that statement in all honesty. It's great when you see me, that you see me, but that needs to be coupled with conscious understanding of the issues at hand. Yeah, that's that's very educational for me because obviously I didn't really appreciate or understand that. And that wasn't me not respecting someone else's life. It's just me not seeing someone any different to me. Um, so that's definitely been educational for me. And, um, you know, re really good to read all the comments. I think 
most people seem to sort of be agreeing that starting the conversation um, and being bold and open and honest and uh, just trying to make progress and maybe not fearing too much if you say I'll do something wrong. Um, and, you know, that was the spirit in which I tried to embrace this live. And, Shah, um, thanks for making me do it because I do feel like I've – well, making me do it. Like you said, I decided, but you um, you, you mess- messaged me a few times. Um, and I would definitely be um, considering this much more deeply and educating myself much more deeply um, t- to see if we can make more positive change. Change needs to happen, doesn't it? And um, I can't – I sign out every single one of my videos and podcasts by saying if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. So I can't exactly duck out of this one. I don't think I ever intended to duck out. Or, you know, And I think some people thought, oh, Rob, silence says – you know, people say silence, you know, says something or, um, you know, saying nothing is still taking a position. Well, I it wasn't for me. It was just me considering um, all of these things we've discussed. Now, I'm just going to give myself a little pat on the back for the next comment. So thank you, Jamie. Shah's a good friend to have. Yes, Shah is. And I hope all of you who are listening to this know that to be true for you because I am – I am fiercely protective of my people and I I know Rob and I love Rob to bits and I knew that Rob being silent wasn't a reflection of him not being interested. It was a reflection of Rob not knowing what to say and not wanting to say the wrong thing. And what I know for sure is that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people out there right now who are feeling the same way. And if they all stay silent, people, we will not move forward. But if we can encourage one by one, little by little, for those conversations to get started, that's how real, lasting, long-term change happens. It doesn't happen with the people who are already having these conversations, having more of these conversations. It doesn't happen by those of us who have been doing the work for 20 years, still doing the work. Of course, we're still doing the work. And I'm always going to be a work in progress. And at some point, I will mess up. But what really needs to happen is the people who have never had those conversations, who we need to shift them from thinking that they're not racist to being proactively anti-racist. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, hold on one second. I'm going to end and wrap up with a comment from TJ because I think this is really important. So I'm going to let you read this out, Rob. Okay, thank you, TJ. So well done for doing this. It's such an important conversation that you and your audience need to have. Your follower typically follows your lead and they're looking for leadership on such a topic. Um, And I think, Shah, you probably worked that out a little bit before I did. That, look, Rob, you've got a good following and this message is important. And then, then of course, I figured it out with your help. Um, So for those of you that thought I was a little bit bit late to the party, hopefully you think it's been worth it now. I think... um, you know, I just wanted to do it in the right way. And hopefully, you know, ha- had I rushed in and made a comment quicker, we wouldn't have been having our conversation now, sure. And it looks like there's a lot of gratitude there. So, um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for your patience. Now, I'm always open to feedback, by the way. Um, so, and this is the first step. This isn't the yeah. last conversation. This is the first step and a first conversation in a long journey. You know, this 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 isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And so, you know, I'm sure there are there are there are loads more things that are that, that are going to come out of this that probably you and I don't even know. And, and I think you're going to get a whole heap of love 
from your community for being open, for being honest, for being vulnerable. I mean, I sometimes I really hate using that word and authentic because they feel like such cliche marketing, but really that is what this is tonight. And um, um, there's, I just want to share, you know, that, let me share a, a few things here with you. Um, this, this is, you know, so there's a lot of, and, and I, I, doing the hard work is what gets the work done. If it, if it was, if it was as easy as posting a hashtag on Instagram, everything would be sold by tomorrow morning, right? It's not that easy. And, and it's, it's getting really into these difficult, un, un, uncomfortable um, conversations. And um, Hannah, because she's, she's one of your lot up in Peterborough. Um, thank you, Hannah. Um, how you show up, support and encourage each other is another level. Thank you. And so nice to see this side of Rob too. We're all learning together to be better. And on that note, shall I make you a pizza now, Rob? Yeah, make me a pizza. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and like I said, please um, keep commenting. I'll go and comment on some of the comments on my page, um, point out things that need to be pointed out. I, I, I want to keep trying to get keep this conversation flowing some more to try and make some good lasting change. Um, I've definitely been inspired. I've, there's a few things I feel like I need to go and research myself, which I think will make me a more a more rounded, educated person. So thank you very much.